94321. We are live and it is Wednesday night. Welcome to the Astounding Love of Church, a global church fellowship for a school of prophetic and supernatural ministry, which we call Kingdom 202. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee and I'm the host for tonight. And I want to welcome those of you that are joining us by way of media, as well as those that are physically in the building at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. I, we are going to pray. We're going to have some supernatural and prophetic conversation. And we're going to find out all kinds of stuff tonight. So how about that? I think that's great. We've got, if you hear little background sounds and things like that, I also want to tell you we're in the process of updating um, our set. So we'll even show you. We've got our dual monitors in today, as of today. But uh, we don't have all the content yet that we'll be able to use to uh, to bring you in on things. So we'll be bringing the monitors in closer when we're ready to do things. But for tonight, uh, we're simply just glad to have them. And you get to see all of our, if you can see the monitor, which Diana will go ahead and pan it so that they can see it. And what you'll see is all the usual stuff when you're uh, creating studio type of background. So yeah, go that way. And then you see, yes, we have two of those. So this is Kingdom 202 School of Prophetic and Supernatural Ministry. I sometimes turn it around. But at any rate, that's what it is. So we want to let you know that we'll have some exciting videos and shorts and uh, things similar to what we do in Biblical Solutions for Life on Sundays. And I'm very happy about that. So let's pray, shall we? Father, we bless the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the power of your word, for the power of choice, that we can choose you in every situation, and you turn things around. I thank you for the healing properties of the blood. I thank you for the covenant relationship and the voice of the blood of Jesus and how it speaks and it testifies and it claims us. And it does so many things. We are forgiven because of your blood. We are healed because of your blood, Jesus. And we are free because of your blood. We are sons of God because of your blood. We are restored to right fellowship with the Father because of your blood. We have entrance into the, the portals of heaven because of your blood. Your blood does everything. Your blood is uh, representation. It is covenant. It is covenant. It is covenant. It was necessary, and it speaks for us. And then we have your name, the name that is above every other name. In all of heaven and earth and underneath the earth, it is your name, Jesus, which was given to us as part of our covenant exchange. As we heard our apostles speak on the 5 a.m. prayer call today, she is Baker Baker Jesus. Jesus is the name that we have been given. You told us that. It is our power of uh, attorney. It is the name that... that gives us authority. It is a key. It opens doors. It shuts doors. It shuts down demonic enterprises. It does everything we have need of it. It covers us. It cleanses us. It has been, it answered the cry of the earth as it was swallowed up. It answered the accusations against us. It satisfies the requirement for sin. And yet, even though it was at the cross, or it was as you were being beaten and the stripes were being formed on your on your body, and all of the things that the blood began to end the uh, accusations, to end the requirements, it did something else too. It loosed resurrection power and the ability 
for us to do the same thing that you did. You actually, you spoke things. You called Lazarus forth, come out of the grave, and he came. Why? You enacted and invoked resurrection power, speaking what God had said, that just as it was in the time of Jonah, three days in the mouth of a belly of a fish, and yet he came out and he was alive again, though he was close to death. And then you called Lazarus forth, and then you raised up the widow's son, and then you raised up the um, Jairus' daughter. You did show that resurrect the death, that death itself has to bow at the power of eternal life. And that is what you demonstrated. That is what you have released into this earth. And that is what we cling to and believe in the face of scoffers and mockers and doubters. We believe you. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's on the inside of us. Resurrection power. The power to of, of life over death, the the power of life that surpasses death, the power of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has freed us from the law of sin and death. Yes. You are awesome. And we praise you and we thank you that even now as we're gathered here in this place, that that resurrection life is at work in brains in people that are in hospitals that were thought to be brain dead, but resurrection power speaks and calls them forth. We thank you that it awakens individuals out of comas. It brings peace to fractured lives. It raises up hope where hope had fallen by the wayside. There is absolutely nothing that your name and your blood and your word and your power cannot do except Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. That's why we run to God's side. I'm on God's side. I'm not staying on that other side. And it even speaks to decrowned viruses, man-made sicknesses and diseases. There is a name, there is a power, there is a truth that far surpasses all these things. And there is a perfect love that cast out the fear, fear of flu, fear of virus, fear of death, all of these things. We pray for the people of the United States of America and all over the world. And we pray for the body of Christ, that, that your people, we rise up and say, we're not canceling events and doing this and that because of a, a so-called virus. We have a name that we speak in the face of virus, it is written that at the name of Jesus, every other name must bow, and that includes viruses, sicknesses, diseases, all of these things. We believe you. No weapons formed against us prosper. None. Not a tongue. Not a. Not a. Not a anything. No. 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 And your word says that you have given your angels charge over us to keep us in our ways. You said that though there are evil plagues that come and all of these other things, that no evil shall befall us. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty God, which means that your light shines in the darkness and the darkness pales. Go beyond us, get under the bows to the entrance of your word. We believe you. I believe this. I absolutely believe this. I, I, I believe this. This is my truth. 
It is the truth, and it's mine, and I take it. We take it, we take it, we take it. And we praise you, we praise you that we become so in, in, in filled with this knowledge, with this power, this understanding, the revelation of the covenant that we have with you and of the power that Jesus, the Yeshua Jesus exercised in this earth that now pours and flows through us. That we, when we show up, these sicknesses and these diseases, you can hear the screaming in the spirit realm as they run in terror from us. Yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. But we don't run from them. And we praise you for that. That's the supernatural power of your word. That's the prophetic power of your word. And that's the word we send forth into this atmosphere this night in the name of Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That is the thing about um, the power of the Word of God. I, I, I was reading this this morning, and I, uh, I want to come back to it. Second Corinthians, I'm, forgive me, Second Chronicles, chapter 32. We talked about this a little bit in Biblical Solutions for Life on Sunday. And we were simply looking at uh, some of the, the things that King Hezekiah did. And I, what I thought was interesting is that um, that there was an accusation against the king um, because of um, Syria coming against them. And Hezekiah, um, it was King Hezekiah in one place, and uh, it was Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And the Assyrians were pretty bad dudes, you know, before this is before Rome. Uh, they were uh, um, quite the terrorists of their, of their time. But he invaded Judah. Praise, right? Well, the thing about the name Sennacherib, and I want you to just think about this, it means sin multiplied brothers. Or sin is the moon, okay? So his, his name basically what they're talking about, he was the Assyri an Assyrian king. And the name, though, is identified as sin multiplied brothers. Now, and sin, in this case, they said it equals the moon. He was the son of Sargon, father of Esar, forgive me, Esarhaddon, and king of Assyria from 705 to 681 B.C. He attacked Judah during the reign of King Hezekiah, and Judah was delivered when in response to the prayer of Hezekiah, an angel struck or smote 185,000 um, Assyrian soldiers. Now, you know that the name Judah means praised. Okay? He, his name means praised. So in other words, you have... Um, Sennacherib on one side, the sin multiplied brothers coming up against praise. And those are the two sides that are um, being established. So chapter 32, Second Chronicles, let's start with verse 1. It says, after these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Now, you think in terms of this is historical, but it's the same type of demons that are at work here 
as you see, anytime they want to try to take over, overtake a nation, that they will enter in through whatever means it is that they have. And then they will encamp against the, the fence, the fence cities. They want, they want the borders down. They don't want any borders because they want to, they want to be able to enter in freely without a, a wall is a hindrance to them. It, it is a, uh, it, it's a, it declines their opportunity to come in. Don't touch that. To, to decline that their opportunity to, to come in, to encamp, to bend down, or to lay siege against. Okay? That's what it does. And so this is what, it's called a, 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 a chana. Um, don't come in. Pitched. It's pitched against. That's what a wall does. It's pitched against. It's, an, it's, a, it's a block that is pitched against those that would just freely come in. You know, when you go to someone's home or you go to your own home, if you don't live in a fenced place, neighborhood, then you just simply freely drive up. Anybody can drive into your driveway. Anybody can just come up to your door. But you go to places like, okay, my mom's house, uh, and she has a, a, a big iron gate right at the front of the door. So you cannot just come up to her front door. As far as you can get to is the gate, and it's locked. And you can, people who lived in gated communities, I remember when Mother Helen used to live in a gated community, that you could not get, you had to call from the front, and there had to be permission or code that they gave you to open the gates for you to be able to come in. So it was a fortified place. Now, when you got into the gates, you could then go up to whatever door you, way you wanted to. But even as I recall, the house she lived in, it had gates there too. So she was double gated. It was gated at, to get into the complex. And then it was gated before you could get to the entrance to the front door. So it was that there, a gate, a wall, um, speaks of, 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 a, of a separate place and the place where you must have permission to enter. And so here, this king of Assyria, he came and he entered into the land of Judah. And Assyria means a step, okay? It, it's a step that they take. So he came in and he encamped against the fenced cities. And he fought to win them for himself. That is his intent. His, his thought, his plan, his continuation. I think another word for that is um, he even spoke. This was what was in his heart. His thought was his heart. He, he, he was thinking, commanding, and basically he promised himself, I'm going to get this land. I'm going to get, I'm going to take Judah as mine. Okay. And when Hezekiah, this is the king, Hezekiah saw that um, Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, which were without the city, and they helped him. What did he do? He cut off the water supply. Now, Hezekiah, I don't know if we, anybody knows that his name means Jehovah has made strong. Now you've got sins of brothers, and you've got Jehovah has made strong. You've got this one group coming against praise. And inside of praise is rule, the ruling um, monarch is Jehovah has made strong. But he, but evil has thought, no, I'm going to make this mine. That's his thought, okay? All right. So Hezekiah, he saw, he looked, he saw. But what it doesn't say, he, he had the ability to see or to perceive or to have a vision. And so the first thing he did, 
he took counsel with his princes and his um, his rulers, you should say, were his nobles. This is his leadership. And he said, here's what we're going to do. We are going to, now he wasn't going to ask them, what do you think we should do? He's saying, this is what we're going to do. And they took counsel, how are we going to do it? What's, what do you think the best way? So they stopped the waters of the fountains, which were without the city. And so the, the, the rulers all said, yes, we're behind you, sir. And they helped. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? I like the way they're thinking. I really like the way they think. He's like, you ain't using our electricity. <laughs> Cut off the power. You're not using our sources to work against us. And also, this is the king, he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers. And another wall out, out of there, he repaired Milo, um, it says, which is the rampart um, in the city of David, and he made darts and shields in abundance. Now this is somebody that is prepared for victory. Build the wall. Build the wall. They're encamped against us to try to take, to try to change our culture, to try to take what's ours. He is determined. Anybody that wants to change your culture is intent on ruling over you. If you think that it's simply, well, you know, they're friends and we're just trying to get, let everybody get along, so we're just going with this. No. Anyone that can change you is bent on conquering you. You need to think about that. So all the, if, you, if you've ever been or known someone in a relationship that was toxic for them, and little by little the person that you knew, or maybe you were that person, began to erode away until the individual look, could look in the mirror and not recognize him or herself. And what happened? They got involved with another culture. And I'm not talking ethnicity here. I'm talking the lifestyle. I'm talking about the belief system. I'm talking about, you listen to the music of, of, of today. You listen to what is uh, referred to as, some of it is ratchet or thrash, whatever. They have different names for music. But one of the things that's very, very key a man uh, 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 in those songs will refer to other men as cuz or brother or friend or something, but a woman is equal to a female dog. All over the song uh, is, and just for the sake, I, I, I can say the word, but I, I won't today, but um, all over the song, female dog, female dog, female dog, then you'll listen to a female that's doing the same music, she's saying the same thing. So what's happening? People are being duped by promise of very little money to diminish the value of someone else. In this particular case, I mean, I get it. The whole women empowerment and this and this. I understand where uh, that how the feeling of losing value could cause people to want to rise up that way. I just don't agree with the source. Because basically, it, you got Satan's people calling you by Satan's names. 
And then you got another group of Satan's people who are thinking his way, meaning worldly, not, not, not thinking according to the Bible, according to what God says, who are trying to use just different areas of, of, of you know, um, anarchy or, or rebellion or um, fighting from a place of bitterness or fighting from a place of fear or fighting from a place of woundedness. And see, none of those things are God. And that's why I say it's, it's, it, it, answer, it, it brings forth that question. How can Satan you know, win against? You can't. It's a house divided. So you've got two sides, two factions within a whole broken society. And both sides are speaking out of a wounded place or out of a deceived place. And they're fighting two sides of, uh, uh, on, on uh, how fighting the same evil or battling with the same evil weapons and really nobody's going to win because you can't win with the devil you can't you know why you see because it's you've got your battles with him have to take on his ability and he cannot win against God he's defeated so you're not going to win using his devices, using his thinking processes, using his words, using his emotions or the emotions that he you know, has contaminated mankind with. None of it works. It just doesn't. His logic, he doesn't have any. His, his direction of thinking, which is always pointed downward or away from God. All I want you to do is think things that God doesn't think. All I want you to speak are words that God doesn't say. And if you will speak what God does not, what God does not, and if you will think the thoughts that God does not think, then you are guaranteed not to get God's results. And I'm happy. And that's his plan. And so here you can see King Hezekiah is saying, I'm not going to think that way. I'm thinking like this. First of all, you're not getting our sources. You're not, you're not, we're not going to open our gates to you. We're going to build our walls higher. We're going to take counsel and we're going to have darts and shields in abundance. What is that? To quench. We got, so we're sending something out and we're quenching what you send in. That is awesome to me. And he set captains. See, he, now here, he's not trying to do it on his own. He set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the, of the gate of the city. And he spoke comfortably to them. Now, comfortably. This is that he's saying he's coming across. It says the idea behind this is with knowledge and experience. And he's coming with them with love. He's speaking to them. Um, let me go further down here. On the ground, at their level. He's speaking um, the things that, that basically he's coming to them saying, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about what concerns you, and I'm going to come to you with a solution. That's what he did. And this is what he said to them. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Now that's exactly what Jesus says. Every time you would look in the Bible where somebody was, oh, the enemy is coming. Death has come. Sickness is here. Disease is here. We're, we're, we're going to starve. Whatever it was. Jesus would say, fear not. And here's what this king said. Jehovah is strong, remembers his name. Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. And that word dismayed, don't let this break you. That's what the word means, shattered or broken, um, abolished or afraid. He said, don't be dismayed. Do not let this news, don't let these words break you. Don't let this that's coming against you, don't you give it time to fester or become a part of you. Now, if you can speak that when people are talking about viruses, uh, people are talking about all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and uh, lack or, or uh, things that are coming to shred your, your well-being. But the word of the Lord says, don't let this stuff break you. Don't let this stuff have place in you. Something, you know, um, I, I just, I went through a, 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 an attack just, just really about within the last hour or so. I made a mistake uh, in judgment. And, um, but immediately what started coming at me is you're stupid, you're incompetent, you can't do this, you're worthless, you're this. God's not saying any of that to me. And it started my head to pounding. Why don't you just walk, walk right away, you know, go hide someplace, just sit down, quit, quit living, because you, it's obvious that you're, I mean, it just, it can get vicious very fast. Anytime you have vicious words coming at you, especially in your head, please know God is not talking. God is not talking. So I spoke, I told Minister Al, I said, yep, I'm, I'm experiencing an attack right at this moment, but um, you know, I had, what, 20 minutes before, no, 10 minutes before this time was about. It's like, I'm experiencing an attack, just bear with me. And um, we addressed it, it's like, that's not God, and I'm not taking it, just like that. And then what you do is you speak, and first of all, I may make a mistake, but I'm not incompetent. I may do this, but that doesn't make me this. I may do this, but that doesn't make me this. I'm not the thing that the devil is trying to tell me that I am. You make a mistake, yeah. You blow it, okay, I didn't do that, but I'm not that. And I want you to take that. When you make a mistake, when you miss it, when you blow it, that doesn't make you the mistake. It doesn't make you the missed. It doesn't make you the sin. You're not, that's, your identity is not in that. That's not your identity. And so again, you have these groups, uh, as I was talking about the music, and you have this devaluation of an entire gender. Well, if you can devalue one, and then you get the other side, you know, you're gonna call women, uh, after female dogs, basically, you call you a female dog, you're only good for being in heat and what, giving, uh, having babies and maybe go fetching, which is, you know, that's, that's the whole, you, that's all you are is a sex object and then I could throw you away and I can have as many of you and it's never making love to you anymore. Now they're very harsh in the music that they, in the words that they speak. And the interesting thing is that people don't necessarily notice it. It's just a song. No, it's not. No, it's not just a song, you see. And then on the other side, you have them saying to men, you want to be more gender neutral, so they have them dressing more like women. 
And then they have women dressing more like men. You'd be masculine in your style, and he looks like a little girl in his little tight pants and little short coats over his, you know. Hello. It's, it's, it, if it's fashion, it's, it's really failing as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they really can talk men of the 21st century, maybe somebody, into dressing like men did in the 17th century where they had to wear little tights and then little, little, yeah. uh, <laughs> velvet stuff. And, I mean, if you want to dress that way, I will pray for you. <laughs> and you're not in a play, and you're not in a period um, type of uh, theatrical. Yeah. Something is wrong, my love. Something is very wrong. You've been duped into, into, into thinking some bad things about yourself. Because it's not attractive. It's not attractive. Now they call them the man bag. It's like, no, it's a purse, dear. <laughs> We call it shoulder bags. It's my briefcase. No, it's a purse. We we call them we call them shoulder bags, and we call this. Well, it's gender neutral. It's whatever you want to call it. Just say, I'll get my purse. I'll get your purse. I don't care. But don't try to give it a different name when it has the same function. Yeah, yeah, Pastor Lindsay. <laughs> But I, I, it's fine, you know, it's, it's simply, listen, it's not gospel. It's not necessarily gospel, but I think it lines up with the things that God is saying, that in the, these days, the deception will come. And deception will try to get you to side against yourself by siding with a deceiving, a, de a fallen, okay, or created fallen being, a Satan. I think one of the funniest things Jesus ever said, he said, I saw Satan just like ejected from heaven. He just, like lightning, man. He was just out of there. That's funny. You know, it's like, so you don't believe in all these things that he tells you not to believe in, that he's trying very hard to take over. And he couldn't, you're listening to a spirit that didn't even have sense enough to know how to stay in heaven. You see what I mean? So let me clarify something again. The voices were not human that were attacking me. They were saying the things that they were saying based upon a conversation. Do you understand? It's like, have you ever asked somebody, um, how do you like this outfit? Or how do you like my hair? Well, I like your hair better this way than I do the other way. I actually, I've had that conversation. Because, you know, one week I'm with bangs, another week I'm doing something else. And every person has an opinion. Oh, I like it better this way, or I like this. So here's what you can do. You can just go, okay, thanks, and go with it. Or you can stew over it. Or you can hear, well, that just means you don't have a great fashion sense. Or that just means that you don't, you know, you don't know how to comb your hair. Or you have to just me. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. But those are the words that will come at your mind, at your thought life. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about an accusation a human made. I'm telling you what the demonic things are in, in, in the aftermath of a mistake. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Because that's how it works. Typically, the worst accusations you hear don't come from another person. They come from the demonic voices that are trying to speak to you through your head. But you and I, we have the authority, we have the power to shut it down. So let's do that, okay? So let's keep going. So 
He said to them, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. This is verse 7, and I'm reading the italicized as well, because he's telling a story, and this is true. Be strong and courageous, don't be afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, don't be dismayed, don't be broken, don't be shattered, because he is outside of the gate. It's the same premise as the psalm or the proverb that is written, there is a lion in the street, I shall be eaten. It's the thinking from I see this, it's like this, you go real quick from what you saw to oh, this must be what's going to be. It's an assumption. It's based upon what we see as opposed to what God has said or what the king has said. And the king, when the king is not worried about it, you don't need to be worried about it. And so here he told him, he says, don't be afraid of that king. This is your king speaking. I know what he wants. I know what he's after. And basically he was telling the people, and I'm telling you, he's not going to get it. Okay? So he says, for there are more, there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. So he may have multitudes. He may have um, battalions. He may have 10,000 upon 10,000 upon 10,000 because the Assyrian army was pretty fierce and they were brutal, all right? But he said, but the king said the most important thing ever. He said, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Now that's what he said. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 8. Verse 7, he said, hey, don't be dismayed by them. All he's got, all, you see everything that you see out there, everything that you see this king has, all of the threats against your life, all of the threats of, of this virus coming and this thing coming to take you away and this or that or the other thing happening. Oh, I'm being recorded somehow. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, don't, don't, don't even pick up off of all of that. Okay, because with him is an arm of flesh. Flesh. And what is this word here? The frailty, the blood relations, the human body, the uh, generations of living things, mankind. With him is an arm of, uh, and that word arm, let me get that, the power of the flesh. That's what he said. <laughs> with him is the power of the flesh. And remember, Hezekiah's name means Jehovah is strength. So he's saying, with him is the arm of the flesh, or the power of the flesh, or the ability of the flesh. But with us, the Lord our God, we have the Lord our God to help us. We have Jehovah. We have the existing one, our God is what he said, um, you know, uh, to help us. And I, I think that's very, 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 uh, you know, he, had, he said, we have Elohim. We have the existing one, the Elohim, the creator. This is who we have on our side. And to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah. God is strength, king of praise. 
Now, this expression here, the people rested themselves. That They used it, they laid down upon it. They leaned on it. They called it their support. They were sustained, revived, refreshed by those words. They have the strength of men. We have the power of God. That's as true today as it was then. But you see how he says the people rested themselves upon those words. You see, that's the thing we're talking, we have to do. They ceased to be broken or shattered. They believed it. This, that right there is an example of what faith is. That's faith in action right there. You get the word of the Lord and you rest in it. You don't to rest is to cease to be about the business that you were about before. So to rest in these words that they have the arm of the strength of men, but you have the strength of God, is to say, well, okay. Well, this is happening. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Yeah, I heard. They're saying that you should, they're saying that the that the virus, they're saying this, and we shouldn't do anything. I'm not going to stop moving forward because of the threat of man when I've got the word of the Lord. People are canceling this all because the, the people... No, God didn't say to do that. You have to watch it. Oh, I have to really be sure I wash my hands. Why? Well, I'm sure I wash my hands because I'm sure I wash my hands. <laughs> because that's, that's what I do. Yeah. But see, I learned how to do that when was it shocking. And I'm sure there were all kinds of germs going around. Measles and mumps and... So you wash your hands. They vaseline you and sent you out to school because that's not a good reason to stay home either. <laughs> Do you have it? No, go to school. Right? Yep. Well, there you go. But if you don't believe this, then I understand where fear is. But when you feel, we don't mock, we don't find fault with one another for failing to exercise faith. We speak faith to each other. We go to the Word. We go to God. We ask Him to show us what we need to see. We don't mock. We don't scoff. We don't scold. We win. Okay. You with me? Mm -hmm. All right. So, these people rested themselves. And I, I suggest you take that and make that a poster. I'll try to, if I think of it, I will make it, I'm just cracking me up. Um, I will try to make it a slide because I think it's so awesome. The people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, King Judah, that we rest ourselves upon the spoken, the written, the word of God. 
we rest ourselves upon what God said. Now, this is where it gets really good. Verse 9. This is after this, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem. But he was going elsewhere. He was against Lachish, um, which is the invincible city, and all his power with him unto Hezekiah. He see, but he himself, okay. So anyway, he sent his servants and all his power with him unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem. And this is what he said. Now that word, his power, uh, it said he sent his dominion. It sent, he sent his, um, his realm. His, see, this is a king. He's, he's sent, saying, I, I'm coming to conquer. I'm coming to send my culture. I'm sending the way I do things. And um, my strength, I'm sending it against you because I intend to invade this land and turn it into something that will reflect me. And he said, all those, all those who are Judah, and, and these are the words, he sent words, and here were his words. Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, whereon, why do you trust that you abide in the siege of Jerusalem? Why do you even think you're going to make it through this? Do, does not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst? saying, the Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. He's mocking them. You honestly mean to tell me you guys are not afraid of me because your king said that God was going to protect you against me? God is going to protect you against me. And this is the arrogance and the ignorance. Okay? He says, has not the same Hezekiah taken away? Now, let's look at Hezekiah. What has he done? He took away his high places and his altars, and he commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship, worship before one altar and burn incense upon. He took away all your demon worship um, outlets. He's cut off all the stuff that you used to be able to do. He's taken your freedom to run after demons away from you. Don't you know what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands, of the lands? You don't know, where, and, and he says, you don't know what we've done. You don't know our reputation. Were the gods of the nations of those lands anyways able to deliver their lands out of my hand? See, these are the things that are supposed to be crushing. He's like, if you look at the history of Assyria, if you look at how all these other kings have tried to stand up again, they went to their gods, their little demons, their, or their little idols, and their little altars, and their little groves, and they went and they worshipped and they sacrificed, and they did all the stuff that they did, and we still took them. Doesn't matter what kind of god they had, we still took them. Okay, so who was, who among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed, who out of all those gods could deliver his people out of my hand? that your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand. Now, if you ever want to see somebody that truly does not know who God is, this man right here was the poster child for really stupid, plum dumb, absolutely ignorant. Now, it's the same type of thing if you contrast it with 
the way some perceive the God of the body of Christ and the Jesus that we serve. They think that he is simply another God. Now, some of that is our poor represent, representing of him. And some of it is because we have whined and acted just like that. Who will be able, oh, you know, I'm going to be, oh, this is how, oh, you know, woe and, 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 and so forth and so on. That's what we've done. You say, I believe God, I believe God, oh dear, oh dear, I need a second plan, I need a second plan, just in case God doesn't come through, because you just don't know what God's going to do. And we've all done it. Talked out of one side, I believe, hallelujah, hallelujah, yes, Jesus, out of one side of our mouth. And then when the time came for the, for the proving of it, it was just like, well, I just don't know what God's going to do. Don't look like he's here. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything has changed. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like, it. maybe I miss God on this one. You know what? This faith thing is like a swing. You swing out. I'm not jumping out into the lake. I swing back. <laughs> it's like, where's your faith? Well, it went out on the swing. I guess it didn't come back with me. I'm not sure. All you can do is laugh, okay? It's simply where we were at the time. And we simply didn't know who our God was. It's like, you know, now I said that the Lord would. I thought I read it in the Word, but I can't find the scripture. <laughs> standing out. I have this really good scripture, but it seems to disappear from my Bible. I don't know where it is. I read it, and it just thrilled me. It blessed me so much, I just knew. But when I went back to get it, I couldn't find it. So just in case. It was a figment of my imagination and it wasn't something that God actually said. I don't want to take the risk. Sometimes that's what it's like. Where's your scripture for that? Uh, it's in the Bible. Can you tell me where? No. But I know it's in there. Or maybe it's not. I find a concordance or something. You know, it's that kind of thing. But maybe it's not okay. I, I can tell you where it is, but maybe it's not okay for me to to take it out of context and believe. Your mind will say all kinds of crazy stuff. Once it comes to the place where it's like we showed up and it doesn't look like God's coming. <laughs> so maybe I'm just talking about myself, but I don't think so. I think it's something that we've done, but we can change it. Okay. So verse 15, now, therefore, let not, this is the key, this is the voice of the demon speaking to the people, okay? Remember again, Sennacherib, let me look his name up one more time. His name means sin multiplied brothers, or the moon. It is the voice of someone that is speaking, um, it, it, it is one that is ignorant of the covenant. He doesn't know about covenant power. He doesn't know about what it is that God has said. He does not know that uh, he, he, he should, should know about covenants because most cultures have them. But he does not understand the character or the integrity of the God of Israel, the God of Judah. He doesn't understand it. Or, or he doesn't know about the covenant, or he thinks that the covenant that he has with the ones that he, that, that he is joined to has more for them than this God that Judah 
the king of Judah is ascribed to, okay? Whatever his reason was, I'm not an expert on this, but here it is again. He's asked that question. Who among all the gods of those nations, that those defeated nations that my fathers, our history, utterly destroyed, that could, that could deliver his people out of my hand, who, um, that your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand? See, I have a history of winning over, conquering, crushing every nation, regardless of the God that they serve. Why should you be any different? That's his thinking. I want it. I'll take it. You won't stop me. That's how he's thinking. Now, he says, so we told the people, so don't let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you on this manner. Neither yet believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my hand and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of my hand? Any comments before we go on? Any questions? Anything? He's trying to psych them out. He's trying to totally psyching them out. Mm -hmm. but, he's, but he himself is thoroughly convinced. Mm -hmm. You see, for as far as he's concerned, I've never seen the power of this God. Well, you're about to. <laughs> <laughs> but thus far, and, and notice what he said, all the rest have been fighting from the same source, demon power. Now I, the ruling prince that he was working with, is the one that was over all the other gods, if you will, of the nations. And so in the demonic realm, the god, the, 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 the Assyrian uh, prince, principality I'm talking about, had greater strength and authority than any of the rest and therefore was growing in power and rule. And so it's easy in that sense for him to conquer because he's simply telling them, you've out of me. I'm taking this territory. But they have not come up against Jehovah. You see, all of these others, they're all from the same source. It's all fallen spirits. These are humans that are being duped by demonic doctrines or um, demonic angelic influence that says this is what you do. And, and so one is obviously going to the one who's hung, most hungry or serving them or whatever it happens to be, or this, this king of Assyria, remember there's a, a, a ruling spirit that is also a part of that. And so, so really it's a demonic war fighting against their own. And it's all designed to keep deceiving the people that are, are uh, fooled into serving those very spirits that they were, that the human was created to have dominion over. They don't know this. This is why we have to know what our identity is and the power of the blood covenant that we have and all of the other things that that are a part of, of what we have through the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? Okay, you have a comment or a question? I do. Um, it's a comment and a question. So, I thought it's, this is interesting because Second Chronicles 32, here's Sennacherib doing this with um, 
Hezekiah. But he's the same Sennacherib that did it in chapter 20 with Jehoshaphat. Mm -hmm. So, chronologically, did the Jehoshaphat defeat, when God defeated him, because he came, he came with, I mean, he had um, the three different, what, I don't know if it was kings, but I guess areas, um, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zer be defeated, but he came against them, and then he had, basically they destroyed each other, but this is the same Sennacherib that was already defeated, or did this happen before? You said chapter 20, because this particular one I'm talking about, remember too, they have the same type of names, but this particular one, um, go ahead, Frederick, if you have something on that. Um, this is the king, this this one was from 705 to 681 BC. That's his time. So he attacked Judah during the reign of King Hezekiah. Okay. Okay. And She's Judah was delivered. When, but remember, he also said, my father, my ancestors. This is my history. Same spirit. Assyria had a history, yeah. A lot of times that it will be, you'll think it's the person, but it's the demon speaking to the person. No, I, I heard what you said, but what I think is interesting is that that same spirit was trying to come back again to basically shake the people and say, do you know who you are? Do you really know who you are? Because I know who I am, and I'm coming to crush you. But he, that, that other Sennacherib came the same way at Jehoshaphat. And God basically showed up and crushed him. So I just thought it was interesting because it's almost like the same type of situation playing out um, in, in, in chapter 32. Well, looking over, since you want to go here to verse 20, it's the Ammonites mm -hmm. that came against. We're talking about Assyria. Okay, I thought Assyria was a part of this too. No, Syria. There's Syria and there's Assyria. Okay. So in chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat was in here, this was this was Syria. This was the Ammonites that came against them. Ammon and Moab and um, those that, that had come against him. Okay. That 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 was what my point though. It was just I thought it was the same Sennacherib. So basically, you're saying no, it's not, but it's the same spirit. It's right? the same spirit, but this is a different. These are different armies that came against this one, and even in the timing of it. So I don't. I'm not going to tell you that I know this, but if I look at the years, it's not the same one. Okay. But remember too, just as there's more than one Ammon, and we can look it up, or Frederick, if that's what you want to talk about, go for it the same Ammon and, and so forth and so on, that, um, I'm sorry, the, the same name, people will have the same name and not be the same person. Mm -hmm. So historically there's, oh, this, this uh, person here versus this person here or whatever, so, so sometimes the names are the same, okay? So to your point, the spirit didn't learn his lesson the first time. That's Obviously. really not the point I want to make, but yeah, that's very true. Okay. Satan never learns. <laughs> he doesn't learn. He's still doing the same thing. You're seeing the very same deception at work today. Walls not being built or being built. Um, righteousness tearing down um, demonic um, structures, altars, belief systems, which is the same thing. 
the king, the one with the word, saying, there are those that have the arm of flesh, the, the arm, the, the strength of man, the strength of man being pitted against the power of God, the words of man, the words, demonically inspired words of man being pitted against the words of God. And the same thinking that is challenging the people that belong to God with the same challenges. You're really going to believe somebody that is talking about an invisible God when historically you see how I have always defeated you. When you've seen that you've never won over this and you've never won over that, how crazy, how foolish are you to follow after somebody that is forcing you to be basically defenseless against me? And you honestly think that your belief in God is going to be sufficient for me, for you to, to stand against me and not be overcome. See, that's the challenge that is that it rings and resonates in the spirit realm today. It's a, to, to your point, Nicole, Satan has never changed his tactics, ever. And we're aware of it, but we still fall for it. So it's like, historically, you can read this, and then you can say, okay, it's right here. It is, but our our part is to see, not only to see the history, but to use the wisdom of God that has been released to not allow the same thing to be repeated again. Because um, I, I can't even begin to imagine um, how many people um, would know the history uh, and, and be able to tell you this, but it's like, yes, but where is the winning in our lives? If you know the history, then you also are, we are responsible to bring forth the victory. Because those things were for examples to us to know it's the same devil. But here's the thing, it's the same God too. It's the same God. And that's a whole lot more important than it being the same devil. And it's a new breed of believer. It's This was before Jesus, and yet the same tactics are still being done. And they still have managed to gain you know, certain places. But this tells us, no, our God fights for us. And he does it through, he has given us the weapons of warfare that are not carnal, not the arm or the strength of man. It's not your weapons are not the strength of man. It's the power of God. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have, you know, uh, this person has this disease that starts with this letter. This person has this disease that starts with this letter. This person is being attacked with this or that. And so there's shaking and shuddering. It's a heart attack. It's cancer. It's uh, ALS. It's a debilitating disease. It's this. It's this. But the Bible says you're healed. I don't care what the Bible says. Is what a person might tell you because of the symptoms. They're wasting away. It's stage four. If you're at stage four, stage five, whatever stage of cancer, then what do you think God is going to be able to do? This is how people have been so brain um, bogged down by what we see and how it feels. I 
have you know been around people obviously that have had sicknesses and things that that are just absolutely crushing to their soul it hurts them so much their physical body that their brains can't function and and you know it's easy when you're not the one in the wheelchair when you're not the one going through the pain when you're not the one that, that does this, and so it's easy to say certain things, or, or people would say, well, you don't have compassion. I remember when my brother was in the hospital, and I mean, the pain of the, and the memories and so forth, and all these things that are going on, and I'm sitting there in his room with him, and I'm watching him, and I, all I can do really is reach out my hand and hold it, hold his and pray. And, but then as he would come out of things, he might say something to me like, you don't know what it's like to be in a hospital. It's like, oh, yes, I do. Well, you don't know what it's like to go through this. No, I don't know. I do not know what your pain is like. I don't know any of that. But to, but but I'm going to say to you, I'm not going to join in with the self-pity that is trying to raise itself up. Well, that sounds harsh. No, that's fighting. Because in that particular moment, I'm not speaking to my brother. I'm speaking to the spirit that is trying to control. That's what I was doing. I've had to do it with myself. You know, when, when I, I've been attacked a few, t a, a couple of different times where the pain was so fierce, I couldn't think, I couldn't function. And what would happen? I would say, hold on, hold on. And I'd start to pray. Why? Because on the inside of me, there is another source of power. And I can't win against the flesh and blood if I try to battle it from that, from that place. And so I would have to. I, would, I would do recall the time that my mind was attacked to the place that all of a sudden it was like I had two hours, three hours of, of immediate stuff that had just been taken away. And apparently I kept having the same conversation holding over again. Into the place that my daughter said, This is not this is not acceptable, and she went for help. Well, they, you know, they went through all these different things. I ended up being taken to ER where they're thinking, oh, she's had a stroke. I said, I did not have a stroke. Oh, this, nope, that's not it either. You're not going to put this stuff on me. I said, I'll tell you what it is. And I kept telling them. And they just looked at me like, yeah, it's poor dear. It probably is a stroke, you know. But before we left, they said, we got to get you to the hospital. I said, not before I deal with this. And I ended up going into our sanctuary. And I started praying. And I said, you will not take this from me. Well, I, because I suddenly, I started becoming aware and I knew exactly what had happened. And so when I got to the hospital, I said, no, I was preaching today and it was a demonic attack and it's come after such and such. And they decided, oh, okay, sure, not a problem, not a problem. I said, I will get everything back. I did. But they were offering, would you like to call it a stroke? No. Um, temporary amnesia. They called it transitory amnesia. I said, it's a gypsy thing. It was, a, it was a demonic spirit that comes from a Roman um, uh, place, and it was us. So I said, so I was, it was a spiritual attack. I said, you're not going to be able to do much for me, but I know what to do, and it will get done. And they're like, okay, sure. But I didn't care. Because, see, in the face of what I was facing, you can mock my belief in God all you want, but you're not going to get it. You can tell me that I'm being too, too whatever it is that I'm being. You can say all of those things. And people will. Sometimes even the ones that are right there with. Because we don't live in each other's bodies. And we 
don't fight from um, what they're feeling. But I find that compassion and love and faith in what God has said will cause us to win more battles than trying to force somebody to believe what you believe. Don't do it. It's a waste of time. Live it out. Use it on their behalf. Deal with the fact that in some moments they may look like a hopeless case. Stage five cancer, um, they're wasted away. You're looking at it, and if you look at it from the natural, you're going to just cry and think, oh my God, they're about to die. And you don't know what's going on in their heads. You don't know, I don't know, we don't know how much they've been told. You know, sitting, you might have lost patience with one of our, our, our men here who we haven't seen in a long time. But it's like you either, well, you know, forgotten. No, you don't let the person be forgotten. You don't let it happen. We say, no, I will send things, I will write things, I'll write you a letter and send, you know, when, when Minister Al goes to visit or I'll go with him. Sometimes it's not a great idea because of the way he, um, our brother um, sits around out, but tell him, hey, get dressed. Um, we're going to find a way to get you here. Go get them. Don't leave them. And you don't preach to them. Not in that moment. First love. Love opens a gate. Words of love come through. And healing manifests. You never stop saying you heal. You never stop saying the thing that God said. But I'm not going to beat you up over the head with it. I'm going to go after the demonic and let it be known. No, they're healed. You say it enough. I am God says that I am. I am what, what you know, is so. And I just encourage you. You are what God said. That's all I can tell you. You are what God said that you are. And every time I see it, I'll tell you a story. Um, my brother, who got out of the hospital, I think it's been about two weeks or thereabouts, a little over two weeks, um, when I first had to start helping with the wound care, and I saw it at the hospital, and it was pretty gross. It was very gross, actually, to look at. And he's like, are you sure you can handle this? It's like, yeah, I told you that. Okay? Not because I felt like I could handle it, but because when God calls you to do something, he gives you what you need to do it. And so, it um, doesn't mean that you don't go through the human stuff, because you surely do. And so seeing it, I, I told him, I said, this is hard for me. Uh, it was when they were asking me, okay, you sure you can do it? I said, here's my question. Does this hurt you? I asked him, does it hurt you? He said, no. This doesn't hurt. He said, no. I said, then I can do it. Because the thing that was bothering me was inflicting pain on you. Because I'd seen the pain. And in those moments when you want to cry, you don't. Not when you feel like it's the cry of defeat. You don't cry. There will come a time when you will weep, but you will weep the tears of victory, and you will weep the tears of intercession. The tears matter, but it matters which tears you allow to come. I will cry in faith. I will not cry in fear. And you'll start to understand that. And Frederick, if you have a comment, just send it to Diana. Are you, are you, is this connecting? Are you understanding what I'm saying? You see, that's the importance of our words and where we direct our emotions and who we give our emotions in, in the care of. Because if I give him Satan, he's guaranteed to use him against me. 
And if I give it in the hands of Holy Spirit, he's guaranteed to show me how he will, how the word of God will surround them and will, will be compelled, moved by compassion. You see, compassion is a person, compassion is a spirit uh, of, of, of Jesus Christ, but it's also an emotion that we carry and we can express, you see. And so this is this is the thing here that, that the Bible says. So Hezekiah, um, the king had, um, he made mistakes, you know, in the end. He, he messed up a little bit. He says this in verse um, 30, in verse 16, chapter 32, it says, His servants spoke yet against, more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. They kept speaking against these words, just kept murmurings, just kept coming against them. It, it's all this thing. I think Nicole said it. You know, it's like a strategy. It's to ch it's, it's a thing to try to get you weighed down under the opinions of other people, weighed down by the things that are said about you by those that un do think they understand or don't want to understand or have a different understanding of, of the way things should be. They have a natural as opposed to a supernatural. All of these type of things. And I, what I'm talking about tonight is the supernatural power of, of, of our humanity in the hands of God. It's being human. It's not, it, but in the hands of God that makes you superhuman. It puts us in that place where no weapons formed against us will prosper. But do you notice it is formed against, meaning the weapons will be formed. The opinions will be thought. The, the, the feelings will come against you. You will feel like quitting. You will feel like giving up. You will feel it. But the word of God, the spirit of God, the power of God, and that covenant that we have through Jesus Christ, those are the powers, the supernatural powers that pull us out of those places and enable us to keep standing, keep loving, keep forgiving, keep pressing, keep living. You with me? So let's finish this up. So the servants, see, more words. They spoke, they spoke, they spoke. These are words. And this is where the word of God tells us, yeah, but the, no weapons formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you shall be proven wrong. So like, yeah, well, wasn't I, you know, did, didn't Isaiah say that later or what? I don't even know. I couldn't tell you because I'm, I, I'm not a real student of the history on that level. But I know this, the principle was there even before man naturally released it. The power of God, the power of the kingdom was already present in the earth and in the words that God had spoken and in the covenants that he had made, the principles were already in place. Do you understand? And somebody articulated these things and they and they resonate with us and say, yeah, that's true. I, 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 Diana, we've had this, this thing happen where um, we'll, somebody is feeling something and somebody expresses it. It's like, that's exactly it. That's it. That's what I've been feeling or sensing or knowing, but you said it. And I know it's true because I've been experiencing it all this time that somebody finally put the word of God to it. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the power of his presence and the power of his words and the power of his will. And, and, and this is all 
these from the beginning, in the beginning things that God did that could not be undone. Because it didn't take a man to um, bring it to pass, to, to, to say it. God had already said it. So that is the power of his word. We say what he said. And the earth was formed by what he said. So the provision for it to be obeyed is already there because God established it from the beginning. My words are spirit and life, and I hasten over my own words. You know, you can't make somebody else keep a promise. The power of the fulfillment of a promise lies with the one that said it. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I can't make you, any of you, or you can't make me prove my authenticity or to, you can't make me keep a promise. You can nag at me, you can remind me, you can do this, but only I have the power to fulfill my own word and be authentically me. Boy, whether I give somebody, you know, by my words and actions, I give somebody else the authority to finish the thing or whatever it is, but we speak those words, then it's our spirit that we've sent forth to, to accomplish. God said, my principle is, I hasten over my own word. So when you speak my word, you're not responsible to keep my word. I'm responsible to keep my word. That's covenant. I'm responsible to keep my own word. He established that. That's the heart of a king. Okay. So, says, so these servants spoke yet more against the Lord God, and they spoke against his servant, Hezekiah. Okay. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nations and lands have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. Now, did he have the right to say that? You see, did he have the right to speak for God? Did he have the right to decree failure, God's failure? No. He didn't. He didn't have the power, the authority to make it happen. He could say it all he wanted, but he could not control the outcome of God's decision. Then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that on the wall to frighten them and to trouble them that they might take the city. Do you see it? Now you're on the wall. We want to bring you down. We don't want you to finish what you're doing. We want in. We're going to do everything, use every confusion, every tactic that we possibly have to get you to crumble and fold, to come down off that wall, to, to lose your focus and to focus on us instead of focusing on the casket. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth. Remember, this is the arm of the flesh. This is the strength of the flesh, which were the works of the hands of man. Okay? They spoke from the arm, the arm, the strength of flesh. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord 
sent an angel, which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. The Lord, that this to me, God didn't even need to show up himself. I'll just send an angel. One angel. Do you have any idea how many demons there were? The hordes of demons that were embodying or, or representing or pushing and prodding at all of these people that were in, in um, Sennacherib's camp in Assyria, the Assyrian army. All of these hordes of screaming demonic entities. And the Lord sent an angel. I can imagine that the angels are like, can I do it? Can I do it? Because they're listening to the demon shrieking against. I mean, you know, I, I gotta say this too. Personally, I'm thinking, now these demons already know the power and majesty of God. And there has to be a thought in the mind of somebody, this is so stupid. <laughs> you know, we are so, so going to get it. Get them to say this stuff. Curse God. Say, tell God he's going to fail. But you're talking about created fallen spirits. That already know, dude, you couldn't even stay in heaven. We went with that guy, and look at us now. Everything we do, we may as well just enjoy ourselves because we are so doomed. It's like, you know, it's like if you've ever watched those TV shows like Family Feud, and they'll ask a question, and everybody in the family is trying very hard to get it right, and then somebody says something really stupid. And um, <laughs> and the family members all kind of look at the person like, I cannot believe he just said that. And then they're told, I guess, by the show, good answer, good answer. Thinking, that was one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. But we have to say, good answer, good answer. It was not a good answer. We're not going to get a point. We're going to lose this round. We are absolutely going to lose this round. What? Because we're a part of this thing? We gotta stay with the team. Good answer. God, we are so dead. We are so dead. We, oh, can we at least just move to the back so that when the time comes for retreating, we got a chance? This is not a good day to be on this team. Maybe they thought that, maybe not. But the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty men. And that expression, cut off, it means he, he cut them down. He effaced them. He destroyed them. He annihilated. There's my word. He annihilated them. Okay? So, he returned. Who? The, the king of Assyria. He returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was coming to the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Your own kids. Your own people. You are so disgraced as you just need to die. So not only did you not win against the God of Hezekiah, but your own God says you have no further use to me. Like I said, don't 
turn against you. The devil always turns against you. So here he served him, and he served him, and he served him. He spoke strong that God has looked good, and, and this, you know, this demon that he has served, this prince, has looked so good until this. And um, now you have shamed us. And because you've shamed us, you have no further use to me. Kill him and his own dead. Okay, verse 22, thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts, there's the offerings, unto the Lord to Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. And there's more to it, but that's the part that I really wanted to look at, is that you can see uh, the thing that I felt most powerful is that the king said again, they have the strength of man, but you have the strength of God. They have everything that you can see with the natural eye. But you have a blood covenant. You have a name that has been given to you. You have a position in the heavens in Christ Jesus. You have more for you than what appears to be against you. But the more that we have has to be recognized as having all things. You have the supernatural ability against, and yet the habit of rejection, the habit of entertaining the thoughts of darkness. You, you understand what I'm saying? The habit of despair. But see, I've chosen, and I, I don't think I speak just for myself, to get out of the habit of being defeated and get out of the habit of believing a lie. Get out of the habit of complaining. Get out of the habit of being bitter or getting offended. These are habits. Um, these are, are things that we have just uh, um, how would I say that? A habit, a garb, a, a um, old scenes, same habits. Um, a state of anything implying some continuance or permanence, a temperament or particular state of a body, a disposition or condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or a frequent repetition of the same act. Those are habits. And so here, this is the, a great thing here. It says, we should endeavor to correct evil habits by a change of practice. A change of practice. A change of doing. I think, I believe with, um, Dr. Mike Murdoch that said it first, um, can't, if I keep doing the same things, I'll keep getting the same results. But if I do something different, I'll get a different result. I'm paraphrasing. But there it is. It's like, this is what it is that we do. We do the kingdom thing in place of the secular world thing. Instead of the natural thing, the natural propensity to react, or to accuse, to believe the worst, to um, speak the things that bring about what we do not want, to look and assess based upon the natural scene without ever 
conferring with the Holy Spirit to find out what am I looking at? What am I looking at? What, what is this that's coming against me? Have you ever misjudged the driver in front of you for driving too slow? And when you finally peel around them ready to hurl a name at them, you see the little slow car in front of them mm -hmm. that you couldn't see? Now here this person has been suffering under my judgment, my criticism, my bad thinking, my impatience, all of these things that are all me, that are directed, hurled at this car in front, and the car has not become, the car is in, in some way has become a person. This stupid car, this, <laughs> this stupid truck in front of me, it's not human, but it has become human out of the frustration. I can't get around these stupid trucks, these Stupid, stupid trucks. The trucks are being driven by people or that crazy driver in that stupid truck. You know, so that it's, it's uh, all these things that you're thinking, which causes what? Your own judgment to be out of alignment. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just park the car if you want to drive so slow? <laughs> All these things, and then you drive past and go, it's God, my bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, instead, it's like, you know what? I choose not to judge this person because I don't know what's in front of them. I don't know what's going on with their car. I don't know what's going on in their minds. I don't know what's happening, the whole story of what's happening in the vehicle in so I'm going to withhold judgment until I get around them and see if they just decided to be in that spot at this time to irritate me, you know. <laughs> so, um, Frederick, did you have a comment? We have about six minutes to close. Oh, okay, here it is. This is a comment. He says, tonight's show is speaking the same war that our President Trump and we in the body of Christ is battling against all the world. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He made the comment that tonight's show is speaking the same war that our president, President Trump, and we in the body of Christ in the United States is battling against the world power. Okay. Okay. So any last comments? <coughs> Excuse me. Diana, you have anything? No. All right, so I think that's pretty much it. I just follow the flow of things, but I, I know that there was enough there um, to help. Because one of the things is we never talk about these kind of things except that it's, it's resonating or it's hitting home or it's it's speaking either to a situation you're encountering or something that you may encounter. I want to say this, though. I, I know, Minister, we had this conversation yesterday, I think it was. And one of the things is you've got to be very careful on your jobs. Any place where you go, this is going to sound kind of funny, let's make it funny. Any place where you go with these other people. It's easy to get bitter. It's easy to be offended. That's 
pretty much it, you know, to be offended because of our own insecurities or our own amb personal ambitions or our own, our own stuff, let's just say stuff. The people that you work with typically, even if it's a Christian, all, Christ all, all supposed to be Christians, um, type of environment, are being slapped around every single day by demonic spirits. They're being harassed and they're naturally going to, naturally going to, in many cases, take it out on you. But you don't know that you've been sent, sometimes in the workplace, because there's a, su a suicidal individual. There's someone that gets, I described the type of mental attack I experienced earlier tonight. That they don't have the ability to separate the voice and say, that's not me, that's not God, that's a lie. And to be able to push past it with the power of the word, with the power of the blood of Jesus, and to move into the places of, of victory. But when we are offended, when we are angry, when we are all these different things, we, we can push aside um, true compassion, which is not pity. We can become so absorbed with ourselves and how these people are making us feel that we lose our focus on why we were sent there. We think many times that we were sent to the job so we would have money to pay our bills. That's not why you're on the job. It's never why you're on the job. I had an assignment once, um, probably one of the last times I worked a corporate type of job. That company, as far as I was concerned, was fond of hell. It was awful. The people were weird. Everything was just, mm. it was just one of those places that they, they, they had such odd culture that I could find fault from day one. I mean, I worked with people that said to your face in a meeting what they were gonna do and turned against you. And, and I wasn't even a permanent employee. I was just, I was a contractor. It was like, well, how do I get off of here? And kept thinking, God wants you here. It's like, why? Why do you want me here? These people are horrible. Yeah, these people are horrible. There was one that was suffering a miscarriage. There was one that was going through a brain thing or an emotional thing. There was another. I met different people in different places and ministered and ministered and ministered the things that God gave me. In between, I had to go out of my car and pray in tongues like you would not believe because I just had a poor attitude about it. I was like, why do I have to be here? I kept disliking them. Even though, you know, okay, let me give you the compassion. Let me just tell you what the Bible says. But I tell you what, you're gunkies. <laughs> this is what it felt like until I dealt with my flesh. When I dealt with my flesh and submitted, um, you know, now you're walking in love. Now you minister to grace. And now you're smiling at everybody. And now you're doing these things. Then somebody undermined me <laughs> into that um, I ended up being told, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to hire you, and then the next day I was laid off. <laughs> I was happy, actually, but but not happy, because you feel like, those, feel, those dirty, those, don't I tell you what, you know, all of these kind of things, and, oh my God, I've been used to having money, and all of a sudden now, it's like, what am I going to do, da 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 all these kind of things. But the Lord wanted me there. Did I see the reason? Honestly, no. I mean, yeah, I could tell you this, this happened and this happened, this happened, but I was actually in an environment 
where everybody, it seemed about 80% of the people were liars. They were liars, and they were very secretive, and there was a whole lot of stuff. This was the culture of that company. This was not. This was the culture of that place. And when I was sent in, it was really to check out my maturity level. And in the beginning, I I, I failed very badly because I was all flesh. It was all about me. When it ceased to be about me and it became about them, my time there was very short. Because I could no longer be recognized as probably one of them. But I became something so separate that it healed and ministered to the ones that I was sent to minister to. And then the window of the season closed and it was time to go. Okay? But as long as you treat them like you're suffering and you're doing them a favor, you will be there. Or you'll get kicked out and have to do the same lesson someplace else. What I'm going to say is this. Let's have compassion and let's allow the Jesus that we claim to care to be seen because he wouldn't do that. If anybody ever had the right to complain about an assignment God gave him, it's Jesus. He is a planet full of folks. Us. And he felt we were left on him for. So that's all I have to say for tonight. And I want to thank um, those of you that were pulling on this and that we needed to hear some things. You'll see the you'll be able to draw the conclusions and see the correlations between what was happening that time and what's happening this time. But understand that we're under a different covenant, and we have the power, those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ and we belong in the kingdom of God. The citizens of the kingdom of God have the power, the authority, the weapons of warfare to change this thing. And there are angels that are sent into those camps too to shame the devil. What we want is we don't want the Sennacherib's to be murdered in their homes. We want them to do the most powerful thing they could ever do to a demonic spirit. It's not to shame them by getting beat by God, but it's letting the demon get beat because the person is translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear son. We want these folks that mistreat us to come out of darkness and come into salvation. We want their souls healed. We want things to turn around for them. We do speak that they fail in their attempts to go against the plan of God. We want you to fail. We want you to fail in every demonic assignment that you have. In fact, we speak the name of Jesus to guarantee that you do. But then we want you to learn how to live in life by coming out of darkness and coming into the kingdom of God. And to those that are already in the kingdom, that you're still trying to fulfill a demonic agenda, we're calling you into light. We're saying the entrance of God's word brings light and it brings understanding. You're understanding your light. The, the revelation of the knowledge of who you are in him and who God is in you. That it comes to you so that you start winning the way that you were born to do, born again to do. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. and also at, uh, 11, at yeah, 11.45 for Biblical Solutions for Life which is over in our main sanctuary. 
you can uh, find us on our website, www.astoundinglove.org or www.mtbm.org. And we have contact us buttons down at the top of one and the bottom of the other. We have email, we have uh, prayer requests, we have donate buttons for those of you that are part of the ministry and it's a time for giving. But whatever it is, we invite you to get in touch with us, to call us, 408-945-4439, send in your prayer requests, your testimonies, your questions, whatever they happen to be. So that's all I have to say for you, to you tonight. Um, we'll be back next week. Tuesday night is uh, Dr. our own Dr. Baker's um, Tuesday night chat off and those grown folks talking. It's kind of an extension of the Telebranking News program. And then we're back on Wednesday. So we're going to tell you uh, thank you so much. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee here at Astounding Life Global Church Fellowship, here with a lovely, lovely, lovely group of people. And so we thank you so much for joining us. Until the next time, we say goodnight. And we love you with God's Astounding Life. Amen.